Hey, Jordan. Hey, Dan. What are what are you really bad at? Like, what is your your biggest flaw? Your Achilles heel? Are we talking strengths if, and weaknesses, or just weaknesses? Just, I don't care about your strengths. <laughs> <laughs> Why? That's so difficult, especially because, for our personality. Like, I want you to think I'm successful and I'm well. You I'm are good at everything. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, there, there's got to be something wrong with you. I'm like, I, I the strengths are apparent. Uh-huh. So what? What is the major flaw? And I, I asked you because I don't. I'm not answering this. You question. don't have any. <laughs> um, I think my only I flaw think... is that I'm a perfectionist and too perfect. Stop. You're hired. You got the job. <laughs> Thank you. Now, today we're talking about someone in scripture who is often heralded as this perfect uh, image of the person who was called and stepped up to the plate and you know, was chosen for such a time as this. We're talking about Esther and we're going to unpack her story a little bit because much like me and despite his unwillingness to admit it, Dan, um, we are all flawed individuals and God can still use us. In fact, he wants to use us for his kingdom, for his purpose. And so we're unpacking the story of Esther, learning a little bit more about her, some of her flaws and just what this story really meant to the Jewish people at the time and what it means to us today. So we hope you enjoy that. And we'll see you on the other side. You're listening to The Youth Room, a podcast from UPCI Youth Ministries for students and young adults. Every month, Daniel and Jordan hang out and talk about things relevant to you as an apostolic young person. If you like what you hear, please consider following and subscribing to the show. P.S. We want your feedback. Visit anchor.fm slash theyouthroomym to connect with us on social media and send us a voice message if you have a question or topic that we should address in the future. Taking it back today, talking about Esther, and this is a topic that came up, I don't know, how many years ago was this stand for us when we were going through characters in the Bible and trying to pick out the ones that were a little less than perfect. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes you're reading the Bible and you're like, man, this is awesome, but I'm nothing like these people. <laughs> Whereas yeah. you know, sometimes you want to just be able to relate on a deeper level. And we wanted to pick out a few names that maybe their stories weren't as pretty. And when you really dig into it, you see, man, this person has a lot of flaws, a lot of mistakes, a lot of things that in their life, their history, their background weren't perfect. And yet God still used them. And Esther is one of those characters or uh, Hadassah, as she was also called. We could uh, <laughs> either way, whatever you're, you're more comfortable with, Dan, if you want to talk about Hadassah today or Esther, that's the story that we're diving into. What is that story all about? Yeah, it's, I mean, a pretty familiar story. I think everyone knows the famous line for such a time as this. Um, yes. But we have this this young woman, she's kind of chosen and, uh, you know, by the king at that time. And we have her uncle and um, just different things going on in this story. And really, it's about God choosing someone and using someone to deliver his people. And we'll see that there's a lot of nuances um, to Esther's story. But like you said, we want to pull out the humanity of these heroes that we we know their name and we know parts of their story but they're real people like us and so we're going to dive in and talk about kind of the main points of Esther's story and then we'll break down what it meant at the time and apply it to our lives yeah so the book of Esther is somewhat unique because um it, it doesn't 
explicitly use the name of God anywhere in the book of Esther. Like Yahweh, Jehovah um, is not named in the book. Now there's references to religion, to the Jewish faith, to um, God just in general, but he's not named in the writing of the book. And that right off the bat, we're talking about people whose lives aren't perfect. You know, when, when God's name's not even there, <laughs> I know I'm getting really <laughs> abstract and allegorizing the text, but uh, we don't want to do that. But just interesting fact about the book, but it, it kicks off actually talking about a pagan king, because during this time, things were not perfect for the people of God. They were living in a a situation where their faith wasn't practiced as openly or at the highest levels of their their governance it wasn't they were under a pagan king at the time Xerxes and in Esther chapter 2 uh, we read about this situation that unfolded where Xerxes is throwing a party and he gets really fed up with um, the queen at the time Vashti and then he's thinking later after he got really angry he's like man I actually kind of liked having a queen I wish I still had a queen and so it says in Esther 2, verses 1 through 2, later when the king Xerxes' fury had subsided, he remembered Vashti and what she had done and what he had decreed about her because he had banished her. <laughs> so he <laughs> banished her and he's like, man, I wish I didn't do that. The king's attendants proposed, this is verse 2, picking it back up, let a search be made for beautiful young virgins for the king. They're like, we'll find you a new queen. Don't worry about it. And so this is very early on in the book of Esther. We're introduced to this narrative of this pagan king who's looking for a new queen. And it's kind of a weird way to be introduced to a character who, like you said, Dan, God is going to use this young lady for such a time as this to deliver her people. And it's just so interesting that we're introduced to her in this way where we're looking through the lens of a pagan king who his qualifications are not anywhere near got the qualifications that God has. Like, this guy's looking for just a beautiful young woman and Esther happens to fit the bill. You know, ugly ladies need not apply to this new job <laughs> application that uh, the, the king has opened up. And so Xerxes, he conducts this search for a new queen and Esther is this young Jewish girl who's been raised by her cousin Mordecai and she is eventually chosen. But Esther 2, um, there's a couple of verses we're going to read here, verse 7 and verse 17. In verse 7, it says, Mordecai had a cousin named Hadassah, whom he had brought up because she had neither father nor mother. So again, another aspect of her life that's not pretty. She's an orphan here being raised by her cousin. And this young woman, who was also known as Esther, Hadassah, Esther, same person. Um, she had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Oh, perfect. She fits the bill for what the king's looking for. Mordecai had taken her as his own daughter when her father and mother had died. And verse 17, we fast forward a bit and she appears before the king. And it says that the king was attracted to Esther more than any of the other women. And she won his favor and approval more than any of the other virgins. So he set a crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Wild situation. She's gone from just this orphan girl living with her cousin to now she's in the palace of a king. And she's not even sure at this point what life is going to look like next week. And this is where we pick up just chapter two of the book of Esther and we're getting into her story. Yeah, it's crazy. And this is, you know, like you said, just the beginning of her story. And I think, um, you know, Mordecai, his 
you know, role in her life is so pivotal. The fact that, you know, he's her cousin. And yet so often we, we think of her as her uncle. And the reason for that is he basically adopts her because, you know, yeah. she had neither father nor mother. And so, you know, as an older cousin, he's taking responsibility for her and raising her. And so, you know, it lets us connect even just with our own, you know, family histories where sometimes we feel like we're alone or, you know, we wish we had these close connections, but um, it's kind of moved on to somebody else who's caring for us. And we, it, it's really cool to see those, those stories and those situations um, for us in the Bible, right? It, it's not perfect people. And so, we have Esther now. She's been chosen, uh, you know, to be the queen instead of Vashti. And then it gets to this this really cool part, which uh, is Haman's kind of plot, where you have kind of these, you know, you have Esther's story, and then you've got Haman's story, and then everything's going to kind of come together at the same time. But we get to start to see all of this stuff unraveling at the same time and see um, how Esther is going to respond. And so Haman, he's this high-ranking official, uh, and he convinces Xerxes to issue a decree to annihilate all of the Jews um, in the kingdom. And the Bible is going to talk uh, about that, and we'll see. Um, do you want to read Esther chapter 3? Is that where you want to go next, Jordan? Yeah, we'll jump in there. And essentially what ends up happening is that these dispatches are sent out by couriers to every corner of the kingdom. And they're ordering for the Jewish people to be killed. And there was a, a bit of a situation going on with between Haman and Mordecai as well, where, you know, he was a bit jealous of Mordecai and just what was happening there. And he knew that this man was Jewish. And so it, that played into the story as well. But eventually these decrees do go out from the king where he's manipulated by Haman to ex. Um, put out these orders to kill, to destroy, to annihilate the Jews, young and old, women and children, on a single day. They actually set a date on the calendar for it. It wasn't just like, you know, starting now, we're going to do this thing, and eventually, you know, we'll we'll get rid of this uh, this group of people. But no, it was on a certain day they were going to do this. And verse 14 of Esther 3, uh, it says, A copy of the text of the edict was to be issued as law in every province and made known to the people of every nationality so that they would be ready for that day. And this is all a result of Haman's plot to make this thing come to pass, to, to deal with Esther, to deal with Mordecai. And what's interesting about this is if we look back in Esther 2, we learn something about the dynamic between Esther and Mordecai and probably something that was true of a lot of the Jewish people living under this pagan king is in Esther 2.20, it says that she had kept her family background and nationality secret and that this was something that Mordecai had told her to do for she continued to follow Mordecai's instructions as she had done when he was bringing her up. And it, she was taught to do this. And when she went before the king in chapter two um, to present herself to say, hey, you know, I'd love to be queen. Sounds like a sweet gig. Um, she kept her, her Jewish faith and her family history and nationality, all of that a secret, uh, whether it was, you know, just the shame of her parents being dead, or maybe it was even just some religious persecution that was already present in that culture. And perhaps what even led to the ability of Haman to bring these decrees to pass against the Jewish people. There was a prejudice against them, against the children of Israel, the people of God, the Jewish faith. And despite this, surprisingly enough, when this plot of Haman's comes to light and when Mordecai finds out about it, he urges Esther to act. 
So even though for all this time, he's, you know, encouraged her, don't let them know your background. Don't let them know your faith. Don't let them know, you know any of these details about you. When he hears uh, of what Haman is planning for God's people, he urges her to act. He says, you know, you have to do something about this. You have to try um, to stop this from going forward. And he urges Esther because of her position as queen to go before the king. And we, we end up reading about that later on in Esther chapter seven, verse three, Dan, if you want to take us there. Yeah. And this is where um, Esther comes before the king and she's not summoned, which, you know, put her at risk. Like you, it's a different time. And so we would think, you know, in, in our minds, we think they're, oh, you know, they're, they're king and queen, like it'd be no big deal. Um, but for her to, to go and approach him unsummoned, um, that is actually grounds for her really to be executed. <laughs> like she uh, didn't necessarily have the right to do that without being summoned. And so um, she, you know, first of all, is taking that risk by, you know, listening to Mordecai. She's going to go before the king and she's not waiting until, you know, the king asks for her to come. But she's saying, like, I have to do this because the day is approaching. And so she approaches the king without being summoned and reveals kind of her identity and pleads for the lives of her people. Esther chapter 7, verse 3 says, The queen Esther answered and said, If I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given me at my petition and my people at my request. And so she's asking you know, him to have mercy on her for approaching um, you know, him in this way. And, but then she also is, you know, saying the reason I'm here is, is my people, right? Let my life be given me at my petition and my people at my request for we have been sold my people and I to be destroyed, to be killed and to be annihilated. And so she steps up, comes before the King and kind of starts to plead her case for her own life, but also for the lives of her people. Yeah. And from this, the King realizes what's going on with Haman and the deception that he's brought uh, on the king against the Jewish people. And he kind of uncovers this whole plot that was being orchestrated behind the scenes. And when he does, remember, this is the same guy who at a dinner party flipped out and banished his wife uh, from the kingdom. And so when he hears that one of his like right hand men has been orchestrating this plot behind his back that would have a negative effect on his new queen, who remember he he wanted a queen. He was really excited to get a new queen. Um, he obviously flips out. He's enraged. He orders Haman's execution, actually on the same gallows that Haman had prepared for Mordecai. Because Haman's excited. He's like, I'm finally going to get that Mordecai guy on the twelfth day or thirteenth day of the <laughs> month. Uh, he's got the gallows prepared, and the king uses those to execute Haman instead. And so through Esther's uh, boldness to go before the king and through her willingness to to be used in that way god's people are delivered and this is a picture you know not only of how god can use us but really it points to christ it points to this this picture of a hero that would deliver us from destruction and we see that again and again in in the old testament these imperfect um, representations of god's promise that was to be perfectly fulfilled in Jesus. And so God uses Esther to orchestrate this salvation for his people. And we mentioned it earlier, the famous words for such a time as this. And it comes from Mordecai's words to his cousin Esther. He's really encouraging her to be used in this way, to step up. But there's a few interesting things he says uh, 
in this encouragement in Esther 4, 13 to 14. Do not think to yourself that the king's palace, that in the king's palace, you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And I think there's so much happening in those few verses. For instance, what stands out to me right away is that if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise from another place. This idea that God has a plan and a purpose so much greater than any one person. And if it's his will that deliverance will come, he will bring it to come. You can't stand in the way of God accomplishing his will, but you have an opportunity here to be part of that plan, to be part of that purpose for the people of God. And Mm -hmm. Mordecai, it's so neat that he says that, but he also challenges her to say that just because of your position, you're, you know, you can't sit back and think that you're fine, that you're not going to be, you know, judged even in that place, even in that position of comfort. Don't forget where you came from. Don't forget who you are. So with that, we're going to jump in and just talk a few points um, of what this would have meant to the original audience. Because remember, the book of Esther, it's in the Old Testament. It was written to the Jewish people way before Jesus ever came and, uh, you know, was that perfect picture of deliverance for all of us from our sins. So it had a few meanings and actually there would be a feast that would be celebrated in the Jewish culture because of uh, the story of Esther. And so we're going to just talk about a couple things that it meant to them. And maybe that'll help us understand what the story of Esther and her boldness for God can mean to us today. Yeah. And it's really, you know, a short story. Like if you're going to, go and read the whole story, read all of Esther. It wouldn't take you that long. And, it, you know, we kind of glossed over it, but some of those scenes between Haman and uh, <laughs> Mordecai are like absolutely phenomenal. Just like the the irony of everything being turned on Haman. And he was, you know, dead set against Mordecai. And, uh, you know, just some conversations with the king where Haman is kind of tricked into, you know, saying what the king should do for this person he's really proud of and who's really helped him. And then all of that stuff gets bestowed on on Mordecai instead of Haman, even though Haman thought it was going to be for him. And so he gets even more jealous. Like, it's just, uh, it's phenomenal. And I think that sometimes gets missed when we focus so much on Esther, even though, you know, the book's named after Esther and uh, it is her story and how God uses her. But I think there's so much, so much more there. But uh, on to the meaning to the original audience. I think first and, and foremost, this uh, helped them understand their cultural and ho- historical identity as a people. And so this story, you know, kind of reinforces what it meant to be the Jewish people or, uh, you know, God's people, and especially to those who are living in exile, right? Like they're living under the rule of a pagan king. And so things weren't as they should be. They weren't elevated as God's people the way they were supposed to. And so it highlights what it what it meant to live in that kind of scenario about, you know, just the fact that Esther had to hide like who she was and, and where she came from. And she had to do that in order to kind of survive and, and have these opportunities. Um, and we see God kind of uh, putting in her, her in a position where she couldn't continue to live that way, that, it, that something had to change. The identity had to be to be made known and brought to the forefront. And we see that God uses that to ultimately deliver 
the Jews from this turmoil and elevate Mordecai. But it it really helped them understand, you know, who they were, where they were at this time. And the fact that even though they were going through all of this, God had a, a plan and a way to deliver them. Yeah, the next thing that we really see come to light in the book of Esther is this encouragement in adversity. Despite being an exile, that's that's hard enough, you know, being uh, an orphan raised by your cousin, again, hard enough. Now she's in a completely new environment and finds out that she's got a death sentence. So if that's mm-hmm. not adversity, I don't know what is, but the story through it, we see Mordecai just encouraging Esther and lending her strength and saying, you know, God may have brought you to this very moment for a purpose. And so despite the chaos of what's going on, push through and, and you know, here's an opportunity to be a part of what God's trying to do in this season. So an encouragement despite the challenges. And we see that in the book of Esther. We also see this importance in remaining faithful to God it kind of goes hand in hand, right? Despite the situations that we're in, in the middle of, remaining faithful to God and seeing his faithfulness in return. The fact that God was prepared to do something, right? If if you're not going to get involved, God will bring that relief. He'll bring that deliverance from another source, but God's prepared to do something. He's faithful. And so, you know, encouraging us to be faithful to him in the same way. Yeah. And I think it also speaks to, you know, who we let speak into our lives. Like, a, like both of these things that Esther kind of was experiencing, this this adversity that she was up against and, you know, trying to figure out a direction for her life. And then we see all of that kind of um, shaped her direction and her steps forward by Mordecai, who's, you know, really helping her see God's plan for her life that, that maybe, you know, you're here for such a time as this. And it speaks to us in our our own context today that when we go through adversity or we're trying to hide who we are, we're doubting the faithfulness of God. It is so important that we have, you know, the ability to hear the right voices, right? To have a, an elder or a pastor or a mentor, someone who we look up to and we can go to and say, you know, look, this is what's happening in my life. And this is where I'm at. And this is how I'm dealing with it. And they can speak to that and say, you know what, like, God's got you, or, you know, this is where your life is going, or this is your next step. And that can really help push us, especially as young people to know kind of the right thing and the wise thing to do. We haven't had that life experience. You know, we, we don't necessarily always know the right way to do things and, and what better way to, to lean into God's plan for our life and, and our purpose than to reach out to those voices and allow them the opportunity to speak and to guide us. So we see, you know, the faithfulness of God, and we also see divine providence. This story illustrates the concept um, of divine providence, that that God works behind the scenes to fulfill his purposes. Jordan, you said it before that, you know, in this book, we we don't see God mentioned explicitly. His name is not there, and yet we see his presence. We see his his guiding hand on on the narrative, right? He, he's speaking through Mordecai. He's using Esther, even though he's not, you know, directly uh, referred to. We, we see all of that in the story. And I think that's another important thing to remember that sometimes when we look back on our life, you know, at the time we didn't realize like, oh, God was with me or, you know, Jesus led me through that or, you know, God closed that door. In the moment, we're not really thinking that and we're not really feeling that. But when we look back, we see the hand of God on our lives. And so it's important to remember that even though it might 
feel like God is absent. It might feel like God is not answering or he's not giving direction. Just know that God you know, is ordering your steps and God is leading you and God is guiding you and God is looking out for you. And to trust in that allows you to move forward in boldness and faith and courage that you're living the life God wants you to live. Absolutely. And I did mention it, but at the end of the book, you get to this description of a festival that the Jewish people came to celebrate as a result of this powerful narrative that really they incorporated into their tradition. And the story of Esther lived on because it really meant so much that they were delivered from destruction. Those laws went out, those decrees went out, they were posted (laughs) in public (laughs) spaces, they were preparing to die. And Esther stood in the gap and she went to the king and she made a way for God to deliver his people from destruction. And as a result, the the people of God, the Jewish faith, they would celebrate Purim, this festival, um, as a reminder to celebrate and to give thanks to God for their deliverance. And so we're going to just tie a few of these things because we can see so clearly if this is what it meant to God's people back then, it's easy to understand what it should mean to us now that, you know, in a lot of ways, we're living in exile. We're going yeah. to school, to work. Um, even some of our own families were in a secular environment, in an ungodly environment. And we're in exile throughout the week from you know, the people of God, the family of God that are around us on a Sunday or at a midweek service. And so we have to figure out how to incorporate our faith in that environment. And it can be tempting sometimes, just like Mordecai instructed Esther for so long to hide that, to, you know, keep it um, kind of in the background. Don't be public about it and just get by and survive. But there will be a time when that has to mean something and that has to be brought to the forefront. And you have an opportunity to be involved in the plan and purpose of God, but to do so, you'll have to make your faith known. Um, There's a few Mm -hmm. other things that I think are just really clear as we talked about what it meant for the Jewish people. Dan, I was making notes just on what it could mean to us. Yeah. And I think, I think what you're saying that even just there is, is so important, right? The, the idea of living in exile, right. And this world is not your home and just having that, mentality, but it doesn't mean that you don't care about the world that you're in or that you don't try and impact the world that you're in. But it does mean that sometimes it has to become known. It has to, you know, be put out there that that yes, you're you're not living for this world and you're not a part of it. And so you have to be able to stand up and you have to have that courage like Esther did to, you know, say that it, it kind of uh, enough was enough, right? And and she took a stand and had to say something uh, and make her identity known. So yeah, living in exile, I think also just continuing to serve God despite persecution on, on whatever level that persecution may be. Maybe it's um, kind of personal and one-to-one and, you know, somebody knows you're a Christian and they they bug you at school or they bully you at school and you know that that's persecution or maybe it's just the culture and the environment of your school and you feel like certain ideas and philosophies are are pushed and they're popular and they're accepted and you feel like you know you have to be quiet and you don't have a voice and you can't say anything um and so despite all of that how do you also go about trying to you know, win your friends and witness and wanting to be open about Jesus. You you have to continue to serve God and 
do the things that God has placed in your heart despite persecution. And so we we see that here with Esther, right? She wants to save her people and she doesn't, uh, she takes a risk, right? She puts herself out there. She goes before the king knowing that it could have been her demise. It could have, you know, ended her life. And yet she still said, this is what I have to do. This is my purpose. Yeah. This is, you know, what, what needs to happen right now. And so we have to have that same mentality that despite, you know, all the things that are trying to hinder us or, or stand in our way, we have to continue to serve God and to love people. Absolutely. I think just as you were talking about, um, you know, the, the faithfulness of God and divine providence, I was thinking about the song, that says, even when I can't see it, you're working. <laughs> um, yeah. And just this idea that he's not named explicitly, but he's working uh, through so many situations and through, you know, the words of Mordecai encouraging Esther and um, strengthening Esther as she went before the king. And, and really, I think even moving on the king's heart, this is a guy who is rash and who will just lash out. And instead of doing that and throwing Esther out of his court and starting the search again for another queen, he actually hears her out and listens. And, and I think that's a door that God opened in a way in which he used Esther um, to reach into the king's heart and turn the course of events that were about to unfold for the Jewish people. And so God's hand was in all of that, even though we don't see it explicitly. And the same could be said of our lives where we just look on the surface and we can be discouraged and we can, you know, thank God, where are you? And, and, much like the psalmist cried out in so many of those verses, where where are you, God? Why why have you forsaken me? Right, that feeling that that he's gone, and but even when we can't see it, he's working. He's right there, and and he's working all things uh, for good. Yeah, and you know, really, where this story ends is they're delivered, right? God uses Esther, and God comes through, and God saves his people, and so. Whatever you're going through right now, whether it feels like you're in the midst of something and you need God to bring you out of it, or you're looking back and saying, God, I know where I was and I know, you know, what I was facing and now I'm on the other side of it. Either way, we can celebrate the faithfulness of God and that God delivers us from evil. He delivers us from temptation. He delivers us from sin. Like he, he will deliver us from that situation. And, um, I go back to it all the time when I think of, of Paul, where Paul said, to die is gain. And to me, that is the ultimate perspective to know that no matter what, that God always has better things in store for us, that whatever this life brings, whatever you know moment we're in right now, to just know that God is always with us. God is leading us towards something and we can celebrate the fact that our future is in God's hands. And so you can celebrate um, deliverance. And I think as we wrap up the conversation on Esther, I, I hope that us talking about this hero of the faith, Esther, and her story, and coming to the understanding that she was flawed, but that God used her, that despite you know the fact that she sometimes was hesitant to do things, despite the fact that she was young, despite the fact that she you know kept her her identity a secret, she was just out there all the time about it, despite all these things, right God uses her, and her story stands in scripture as a a testimony for us of what God wants to do in our lives. And I think it, it teaches us really that we need to strengthen our faith. We need to have a strong faith in God, no matter what we're going through in our life. We have to have strong faith. It also teaches us that our identity matters, who we are, who God has created us to be, the, 
the the life that we're living, the fact that we're Christians and believers and apostolic and oneness and Pentecostal, this identity, all of that matters. And there comes a time where we have to make that identity known to others. And then lastly, this story, as much as it teaches us to strengthen our faith and it teaches us to you know, know our identity and be strong in our identity, it also teaches us that we have to be resilient. We have to have resilience, that there is an enemy, there is the world, there are so many things that will try to stand in the way of us fulfilling God's purpose for our life. And so hopefully you'll take from this, from this story of Esther and as flawed as she was that you know, we can have strong faith, we can know who we are in Christ, and we can be resilient and endure until the end, and we know that God will ultimately bring us the victory. Thanks for listening, and if you like this episode, please share it with someone who you feel would be blessed by it. We'll catch you next time.